It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Ready. ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is, so they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready. You're listening to the College Football Coast to Coast Show. Here are your hosts, Jacob and Tyler. Hey guys, welcome back to College Football Coast to Coast. Uh, I am Jacob. I'm here with my co-host, Tyler. We made it through week zero. Uh, it's on to week one, so I know we're excited to see what's what's ready to come. We got some big games about to kick off here uh, in the middle of the week uh, towards Towards the end of the week, kind of, but um, looking for an action-packed weekend. So uh, we're going to talk a brief bit about uh, one of the games that we're recapping from last week, from week zero. Uh, that would be Nebraska Northwestern over in Dublin, Ireland. Um, Nebraska couldn't get it done. Uh, had belief in them, but they could not do it. Um, I should know better at this point to do uh to do something like that but northwestern did end up winning um by three over nebraska the 31 28 final there uh ryan helinski was player your game and quarterback um, 27 for 38 314 yards and two touchdowns good game for him um of course coming into that program uh making a difference and, and i think ultimately added to the offensive explosiveness for that team yeah, I just think it's just the same old story for Nebraska. I feel like I got to feel it for Nebraska fans. I know that this is a program that has the potential to get back on top. I thought that, that this was going to be the start of the year to at least compete in the Big Ten I had in our preseason predictions uh, to be like in the second place team along with like Wisconsin and Iowa. Like the Big Ten, even losing this, I, st- I think that there's still a chance for Nebraska to win the Big Ten West. But I, just, I just think it becomes – more difficult than it needs to be. Um, first drive, I mean, 
it couldn't go like any better for this Nebraska team. We saw uh, the transfer Trey Palmer from LSU. He was the leading guy. And then we saw Casey Thompson, the transfer from Texas, make some beautiful throws on the first drive. They're already up 7 nothing, And you think like this is going to be a Nebraska blowout uh, like most people thought it was going to be. All the, the game day experts uh, picked um, Nebraska to win this game. Uh, we didn't pick this game, but we had a feeling that Nebraska was going to come away with this one. But you got to give credit to Northwestern. I mean, Northwestern's offensive line, whatever they fed that, those guys and what workout plans they had in the offseason, they need to keep doing that because Northwestern's offensive line absolutely dominated Nebraska. I mean, this was just uh, Northwestern. I mean, we we gave it the player of the game to Ryan Helensky, but the two running backs for Northwestern got over 100 yards rushing. So Northwestern, the story of the game was just – Complete utter domination in the trenches, and that's what winning the football game. The most, like, the, the really question I had was, uh, once again, Scott Frost's decision-making during the game. You go up 28-17 to 17 with nine minutes to play in the third quarter. You have all the momentum. What do you do? You kick an onside kick. Like, what are you doing? I know you want to, like, you know, obviously you want to, you know, get the nail in the coffin. You want to. That would have been a huge play. They probably would have gone on and at least score a field goal or a touchdown the way that Nebraska's offense. But ever since, you know, they Northwestern, they recovered the onside kick. They made it look easy on that next drive. And then they scored a touchdown to bring it to 28-24. And they score in the fourth quarter early to put them up 31-28. But, I mean – Nebraska's offense had it going in the first quarter, but Northwestern's defense was able to, to serve charge. So I don't know. Maybe this is going to be that, you know, that year that Northwestern is going to be in discussion of an eight-win team or a nine-win team. Yeah, and it might be. I mean, that that very well could be the case. Uh, and, yeah, I think for the biggest thing for Nebraska, especially for Scott Frost, I mean, uh, what there is to look at is that, Effective October first, uh, his contract buyout is eight million. Um, so Nebraska could explore other head coaching uh, outlets at that point because of the lack of confidence and winning that Scott Frost uh, supposedly is supposed to bring to the team. Uh, I, I I don't have any belief in him at this point. I think he needs to start out uh, in a group of five setting. I don't think that the big 10 is where he needs to be. It's just not, I don't think he's cut out for that job in Nebraska. It's sad. I, I want to say, give everybody a fair chance at, you know, proving themselves. And I think he's had his time. I, I just don't, I don't think he's ready for it. So on the other side of the football though, with Northwestern. Yeah. I mean, it's impressive to see what they've, what they've done, uh, I mean, terrible end to the year last year and just came out and said, it's a clean slate, let's go, and let's go hit somebody. I mean, <laughs> that's really what it was. I did notice Nebraska's very physical on defense this year. Uh, as far as defensive line goes, linebackers, they're, they're a physical bunch. I think where they lack is secondary. I think every yeah. time Holinsky really put that ball in the air, I didn't really see a corner or a safety anywhere within three to five yards of of a receiver. 
I mean, that, that'll lose you the game right there. I mean, that shows why, you know, Holinsky went 27 for 38. I mean, three over 300 yards passing. So uh, in a environment that you're not used to. So mm-hmm. that just goes to show, I mean, I, Initially, it stated last week, you know, I said, I think this is going to be a running, a big running game. Uh, and it turned out it really wasn't. I mean, it was just Nebraska couldn't execute on offense. And uh, as far as defense goes, they probably could have gotten one or two more stops. But uh, I ultimately fault the, the offense for Nebraska turning the ball over mm-hmm. and, and whatnot. But uh, as far as week zero goes, that was really the only one. I mean, uh, I will say, like, another shocker was Vanderbilt 63-10 to 10 win. That was very dominating. Uh, we know, I know that we, like, talked about, you know, betting Hawaii on the Isles. Good thing we didn't uh, because, man, Vanderbilt just looked, honestly, that they woke up that day and pissed off. Like, they were like, this is going to be us. I mean, it's Hawaii. Hawaii is not the greatest team. They're probably going to finish at the bottom of the Mountain West, but – you know, to start a season off like that and not like I know like the past couple of, of seasons, you know, they lost a team last year at Tennessee State. They only put up three points and they gave up 23 points. Now you look at Mike Wright, man, if he plays like that every, you know, every week and that and he can do that against SEC competition. I mean, it might be Missouri who finishes last. I mean, I know it's just one game we like to, you know, over like saturate, you know, what's going on. But you got to feel, you know excited about what could possibly turn out in the 2022 season if if Vanderbilt's defense plays like the way that they did they had a couple of turnovers a couple of pick sixes as well so that's got to be a good sign for Clark Lee's staff uh, to see that on the defense but other than that I think uh the Nebraska Northwestern game the Vanderbilt Hawaii game uh was a I didn't watch it since it was like 11 o'clock our time so uh, I didn't get to watch it but I did see some highlights and I was very impressed with Vanderbilt so they might get off to a good start before they get into SEC play yeah yeah that's a great kickoff uh, to their season and hopefully uh, I hope across we my hope. yeah that uh, they have a, a bounce back season a little yeah. better season uh, than they have had in the past historically uh, but that's it as far as week zero goes but jumping into week one in the games ahead, uh, what's our first game that we'll be looking at, Tyler? I know that we're jumping in the, the ACC uh, yes. will be our, our, our first matchup and our first conference we'll be talking about. Throughout the season, we're going to discuss two games from each Power 5 conference throughout the season, and then we're going to also jump into one game uh, in the group of five outside of, of the Power 5 to pay attention to. But our first game uh, is an interesting one, and it's going to be uh, a battle in the trenches, I think. So first one is West Virginia going on the road to play in Pittsburgh against the Pitt Panthers, who are ranked 17 to open the season after their Big Ten sh- – or sorry, after their <laughs> ACC championship win uh, from this past season in Kenny Pickett. Uh, what's this line in this game, Tyler, and, and what, what do we have to look for uh, – from Pitt being at home this season and, and what we can look forward to. So Pittsburgh right now opens up as a seven and a half point favorite. Uh, I think that a lot of people uh, who bet on sports is going to hop on that. Uh, this quarterback battle is definitely going to be a one to watch here on Thursday night. They have a lot of good games on Thursday night and then leading up to the Saturday slate. Uh, West Virginia picked up JT Daniels, the, the transfer. He's been to like three schools now. He started at USC and he went to Georgia 
And now he's like, country roads, take me home. I'm finishing my college career at West Virginia. And in Pittsburgh, uh, this is going to be the battle of USC transfers. They got Keaton Slovis. So I think that this has the potential to to be a high-scoring game. Uh, I definitely think that West Virginia, they're a team that's going to be one of the dark horse teams in a wide-open Big 12 race. I mean, you got your top teams of Oklahoma State, Oklahoma, Baylor at the top, and then you have, you know, West Virginia and Kansas State that they can make some noise. They definitely have some weapons on offense. And then Pittsburgh, they lose uh, guys like Kenny Pickett. That's going to be a hard one to replace. And then Jordan Addison transfers uh, to USC. What a shocker. They get one from USC, and then they take away from USC. So this should be a fun one to watch. It's a I'm glad that this rivalry game is back-to-back or abroad. The last time that this was was in 07, and that game shook up the BCS, if you remember that, in that year. Yeah, yeah, definitely uh, a good game and a good matchup. And, uh, of course, the players that are playing now probably don't remember <laughs> that tilt, uh, but I'm sure the staffs and, and everybody surrounding that's been fans for a long time do remember that. Uh, and then our, our last game in, in the ACC, our second game, I should say, in the ACC uh, is a big battle in New Orleans between Florida State and LSU. Uh, Considered a neutral site game, but uh, ultimately a home game for LSU. Uh, Their first visit back since uh, the 2019 uh, National Championship. So uh, they will be welcomed with open arms, I'm sure, back to the Caesar Superdome. And uh, yeah, Florida State. I mean, a really big win last week. Of course, it is like playing against toddlers. Um, so, yeah, it's a bit uh, a bit of a sad opening week for them for week zero. So this will be their second game of the season uh, here. So, yeah, I, I uh, would like to believe that Florida State has rebounded. Uh, but at the same time, I want to see them play somebody, and this is their chance. I mean, this is really their big shot. So uh, I think LSU has to answer the bell first in this one. They need to set the tempo because if not, uh, like we've seen with Florida State in the past, I mean, with Jameis Winston there, I mean, it really hasn't changed offensively there, really, as far as that goes. They still run the same offensive scheme, I feel like, uh, just watching their game still now. It's if you don't get out to a faster start than Florida State, they'll beat you to the punch and they're going to get there and they'll be two touchdowns up and you're looking, uh, you're looking at them, you know, running away with this game early. Uh, but no, I, I think LSU is the superior team on defense here. I think that's the the big picture. Uh, if they can establish the defensive side of the ball, alleviate some pressure there uh, for you know two potential new quarterbacks there, you know, so we'll talk about that a little bit, but yeah, I I think he really needs to be uh, reliant on the LSU defense in order to pull out a big win. Yeah, I agree. It's definitely been a struggle for this Florida state program, multiple head coaching changes. This program hasn't been the same since Jimbo was there. Some, I know that Florida state fans are ready for this program and college football is just better especially for the ACC, whenever Florida State and Miami are good to compete with the likes of Clemson. Maybe we see that with Miami this year. We'll have to wait and see if Florida State can pass this uh, this big challenge because Duquesne didn't give them that, 
And boy, if you watched the sports grammar last night, I mean, Chet couldn't even pronounce that. I was like, Duquincy, Duquincy. It's like it's like all these <laughs> all these different names. I was like, all right. So, uh, but going back to this one, obviously LSU knows who they're starting at quarterback, but the media and all the fans don't know. So I think we won't know to probably game day. I have to say because uh, we'll talk about like like you said, we talked about that. But I definitely agree, LSU has the advantage on defensive line with. B.J. Ojolari, Ali Gay, and then Mason Smith in the trenches. So I definitely think that uh, the offensive line uh, might be even LSU uh, is replacing five of its offensive starters, but they were able to get some transfers as well. So LSU's defense, uh, really, really feel good about their defensive line and linebackers secondary. If one of them goes down, then they have to rely on some true freshmen. That can be concerning as well but offense there's really not many holes on lsu you the wide receiver course as good as has been probably since the 2019 season and then uh quarterback play uh whether that's Jaden daniels or garrett Mus- nussmeyer uh should really do good this season and then running backs you'll probably have noah kane starting this game uh since john emory is suspended for two seasons so there you go. I mean, the New Orleans native will get to play in New Orleans and, and be the lead back uh, for the Tigers. Yeah, I think that's a big thing there. You know, <laughs> interesting piece because Noah Kane coming from Penn State, yeah. just my team going to your team. Uh, he's, he's from Louisiana, so I mean. Yeah, so I mean, it, it's it's good for him to come back. I think he, what he brings to LSU is the power back. Yeah. Um, he's kind of that power back. He brings back the like Leonard Fournette vibes as far as he'll get in the hole and he'll hit somebody. Um, uh, Clyde Edwards Alaire, I would say, was more of a, a speed back. He's a bowling ball. That's a, all yeah. I'm looking at. <laughs> yeah, in a shifty back. So, I mean, I, I find this to go back to kind of the roots of LSU's running game uh, this season. And I hope it's a big success for, for Noah Kane in, in that offense. Uh, but moving on from the ACC, we'll jump into, I believe it's the Big 12. Uh, so uh, we'll jump into our first matchup there. And our first one's TCU on the road heading out to the Rockies and going to Colorado. Uh, interesting game. I think it's strange that uh, this is a first game of the year type thing. Uh, TCU is kind of a toss-up every year. I, I, I don't know how I feel about TCU on the road. At home, I trust them more, and I trust Colorado more at home than I do on the road for them. So it's a it's a toss-up, and there's trade-offs in both teams. Uh, biggest thing, TCU has to hold on to the ball. If they can't hold on to the ball, it's going to be trouble. Uh, I, Colorado is a good defensive team. They like to keep the score pretty close. Uh, their defense keeps them in games. I mean, that's ultimately how they hold control of games. I mean, offensively, they've got a decent run game. Their pass game is is questionable. Their passing is is very questionable. Uh, so if if they want to get it done on the offensive side, they need to have run blocking. And as far as TCU goes, just hold on to the ball for as long as you can, burn some clock, and, and put the ball in the end zone. Yeah, this is a very interesting matchup, but one that I'll be excited to watch on Friday night at 9 o'clock our time on ESPN. I'll try to watch more of these like late-night games when I cook because I 
there's going to be uh, definitely some Pac-12 teams uh, that are going to be in play. I, I think for Colorado, they would have had a better chance uh, with the divisions, but since they went to the two best teams play in the Pac-12 championship, they just feel like kind of on the same level as like Washington and, and uh, Washington State. Uh, I feel like Colorado is going to be one of those teams that will either be like seven and five or six and six when it's at the end of the season. TCU will probably be the same seven and five. They're going from uh, they're going from a new head coach of Gary Patterson to Sonny Dykes, uh, the former SMU head coach. So he doesn't really have to move far. So it's definitely going to be you know I don't really expect this to be a lot of points. I think both offenses aren't the greatest in the nation. We saw Colorado; they were almost at the bottom in the country. Uh, but their defense is what won them some games. They almost got them an upset uh, last year in Denver against Texas A&M. That was definitely their best game of the year. If they honestly play like that for all 12 games, that would probably would have been an eight-win team, maybe a nine-win team. But the offense just, just struggled, especially the passing game, the quarterback, just inconsistencies there. TCU is returning some veterans on both sides of the ball, so that's why that TCU is such a big favorite at 13-and-a-half. But – you just can't ever bet against uh, Colorado at home. I, I don't think that Colorado's going to win this game. It's, I wouldn't be shocked if they did. But to give TCU 13.5 on the road, I think it's a bit excessive, especially with the new coaching staff. You just don't know, you know what you're going to get on the field in week one. Yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of one of those uh, things where it's like, do the – betters know more than we do about this game or what's like what's going on uh so it uh it'll be interesting to to see that game and watch that game a little late night game for us uh moving on to the last big 12 game there is uh ulm on the road facing off against texas so yes ulm will be making the trip to central texas to face off texas and austin there uh i'm not expecting too much from this game, folks. We had to pick two Big Twelve games, uh, so this this these I were our. It's a good one though, because I mean, yeah. we all know that next week is Texas Alabama. So how is you know Alabama going to look against Utah State, a team that barely beat UConn but still beat uh, uh, UConn thirty-one to twenty-three? And then uh, Texas, you know, we've seen all the hype. Is Texas back? Is Texas back? Oh, Texas is back. You have Quinn Ewers. The offense is expected to be one of the best in the Big 12. And, you know, they're expected to be back in that Big 12 race this year. So they're obviously, you know, going to look ahead in this one. But how is Texas going to look, you know, against an inferior opponent like Louisiana Monroe? This was a, a team in the Sun Belt that struggled last year and is expected to struggle this year as well. The Sun Belt is just loaded, especially if you add James Madison to the mix. And then a team like Southern Miss, I think the Sun Belt, I mean, that might be one of the best group of five conferences. I think they got some really good teams at the top and even in the middle. But, yeah, I don't really expect any much uh, from ULM in this one. The line's at 37 and a half. Um, I don't know if I would touch that. I, that's a, definitely a lot of points for Texas. But I think that Texas offense will prove, at least get to the 40s, and then the defense uh, will probably stop like ULM to like 13. Yeah, I don't expect ULM to score over 20 points in this game. But, yeah, I, I would hope Texas can – put up 40 yeah uh, maybe high 30s it depends on what they want to do uh do you want to get a big enough lead to where you can rest your starters on week one and get ready for alabama next week uh so the coaching staff might even be looking ahead in yeah. that game 
Uh, they're not going to show. I wouldn't really see this Texas offense showing much uh, to Nick Saban in Alabama. It's just going to be basic vanilla offense expected. So Texas fans, like, if you only score like thirty points, don't even be panicked. They're your uh, offense coordinator and Steve Sarkeesian are just shape like saving all their like trick plays and all that because they're going to need that to beat uh, Alabama in week two. Absolutely. And moving on from the Big Twelve, uh, we're going to head over to the Big Ten, uh, a growing conference in uh, a couple of big battles here. And the first one is a independent versus a Big Ten powerhouse. And and it's number five, Notre Dame going to Columbus to face off the number two ranked Ohio State. A lot of anticipation for both of these teams at the start of the season. Uh, Ryan Day returning, hopefully, to lead his – team to uh, playoff appearance and they're right there in the mix uh, as far as teams that uh, are favored to win the national championship this year uh, a Heisman hopeful at quarterback there and on the other side of the ball Notre Dame getting uh, their first fresh new look at their new uh, head coach I'm sorry uh, in Marcus Freeman definitely I think is uh, a good move for them and keeping somebody within the organization there. Uh, he's kind of bounced around all over that area of the country. And uh, I look forward to seeing what Notre Dame brings this year. I hope it's a new offense, a little different than what Brian Kelly was used to. So uh, I, I hope it's a big battle. I mean, I mean, this is really kind of what we wanted to see. I mean, last year we got the Oregon and Ohio state game. And everybody was raring to go for that one. And everybody said, wow, what happened? And uh, Ohio State just wasn't there. They weren't ready for it, I think. And, and ultimately, Oregon ran them over uh, on the road. So I, I don't know about this one. It's going to be tough. I like that Ohio State's playing a top five opponent uh, in the first, you know, first week. I think it's good. I think people were getting ready to call them out and say, hey, look, can you play somebody to start the year? And this is their their chance to do that. Uh, I think Ohio State's probably uh, what everybody is thinking in this one, but I have more belief in Notre Dame. Uh, I think they bring something that hasn't been seen yet. I mean, really, nobody knows what's going to happen. So, I mean, it, it it's one of those uh, instances, and, and – I'm not sure Ohio State's been known to get off to slow starts in the year offensively. Uh, so I, I would pick Notre Dame in this one personally. Yeah, you could ask uh, for a better way to start off the college football season with a top five matchup. And this is a prove it game already. This is a big game. Uh, Notre Dame, uh, they have a really tough schedule. They play USC later in the year and they have a, a home game against Clemson. So it's not going to get any easier. Ohio State's schedule eases up uh, after this uh, and then before they play in the Big Ten, has some big games in the conference. Uh, but, yeah, I think the main question is, is can Ohio State, you know, with all the high expectations, you know, go through their schedule 12-0 like a lot of people think and then go play for a national championship? Because I think the main two teams that we've all been looking at is Alabama and Ohio State in this, in this preseason predictions. Uh, but – I feel like no one's given this Notre Dame team a chance. I think they like it like that. I saw today, like, Marcus Freeman, like, one of the media, like, members told them, like, 
do y'all know that you're like 17 and a half point underdogs? And it was like 17 and a half. I'm going to go use that to my practice and put on the whiteboard and we're going to use that. So I like that mentality from Marcus Freeman. I definitely think that was the right fit. Uh, he was fantastic at Cincinnati defensive coordinator, Cincinnati. It was one of the top uh, 10 defenses in all of college football. Then he goes to Notre Dame, Notre Dame's defense was really good last year. I expect their defense to continue to be good. The question mark is just offense. I mean, the quarterback, eh. I mean, if Notre Dame has had better uh, in the past. Uh, but they do have Matthew Meyer, uh, the tight end. I think he's going to be the next, like, Mark Andrews and Travis Kelsey uh, in the NFL. He is that good. Ohio State, I've read about him all season. C.J. Stroud, I expect him to have a really good season, along with Jackson Smith and Jigba, Trevion Henderson. I mean, they got three guys that could – is going to be first round draft picks in next year in this upcoming year's draft. So, I mean, Ohio State, a lot of expectations is a home game. Usually we see like a top five matchup or neutral site. So, I do love that this is a home and home game uh, that they have. So, we'll probably see Ohio State travel to South Bend in the next couple of years. But yeah, this is going to be uh, one to watch for every college football game uh, for ABC. So, it should be a good one, especially if Kirk Herbstreit and Chris Fowler on the call couldn't ask for anything better. Absolutely. And uh, our other Big Ten matchup is two Big Ten hopefuls, hopefully to crack uh, into that uh, Big Ten championship this year. And uh, on the outside, kind of looking in, uh, both very good teams, and that is Penn State going to face off against Purdue, uh, I think is an excellent matchup to start the year. And that is a Thursday night game, so that is this upcoming Thursday. Uh, on ABC so I think will be a very good game and uh, I I I can only hope (laughs) that uh, it gets to a good start for Penn State Uh, it it, my question mark is with Sean Clifford is this going to be the year that Sean Clifford in his sixth year is this going to be the year that something happens a spark clicks and he is uh, what we thought he would be when he came in freshman year and everybody said, well, hold on a second, we've got this kid. So I, I want that to be uh, him this year and hopefully kind of crack that spot. I know he is on the watch list for the Manning Award this this year, so I, I hope that he uh, he has a good bounce-back year, struggled against big games. It, it's It's been proving himself in big games uh, and getting that opportunity. And uh, he has an opportunity here against against Purdue on on the road. So I mean, Purdue is a very good team at home. I mean, they really are. I mean, it, it's remember the upset against Ohio State at Purdue was a massive game. Um, and ever since then, everybody's kind of opened their eyes a little bit to Purdue and said, mm, "Hold on a second, we need to be ready for this game." Yeah, last year they upset both Michigan State and Iowa. Uh, yeah. I was on the road and then uh, Michigan State was at at home. I know this is week one, but why does this feel like a must win for both teams? It's, I think especially for Penn State, uh, just because I think that the Big Ten West, I think the winner would be like nine and three. I think the, the East is a different story. I think if you get to like an 11-1, 10 and two maybe, or even undefeated if you're Ohio State's case, maybe you know Penn State or Michigan, I could see them going undefeated as well if they played to their potential. But I definitely think that this is a must-win more for Penn State just because of Ohio State and Michigan being in there. 
It's like nothing against Purdue. I think that if they win this game, they can go on to win the Big Ten West. But even if they lose this game, I still think that that could be a possibility. Same thing with Nebraska if they get things going. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, just Purdue playing at home, it's just tough to bet against them. I know that Penn State on paper is the more talented team. That's not always the story when it comes to the box score of what happens. But this is the battle of the six-year quarterbacks between Sean Clifford and Aiden O'Connell. So lack of experience will not be on this field. Uh, the interesting thing is, is Penn State, how their running back group is going to be with the loss of Noah Kane, how they're, they're going to do. And my main question is, is can Sean Clifford stay healthy? Because if you remember last year, Penn State was the number two team in the country, and then Clifford goes down in the Iowa game. So I'm sure Penn State fans are wondering, well, what if he's healthy that game? Would they probably beat Iowa? And who knows? They might be the team like a Michigan to go into the college football playoff. It's just a, I don't know. I like a lot of people like to rag on Sean Clifford, but I don't know. I mean, I don't know if he's going to have that good of a year this year. I mean, there's really nothing that's going to change. Purdue, they lost some some guys, David Bell and George Karloftis. So that they do have Aiden O'Connell, but their defense does have some question marks going into the year. This will be an offense that will score for sure. But yeah, this is going to be a, it's going to be a really good game. I mean, both teams really like Northwestern and uh, uh, Nebraska. I think it's going to be that type of game where it's very close all the way throughout. But we could see this uh, quite low score, like a 24-21 game. I think that both offenses, I wouldn't be shocked if they struggle out the gate just because it's game one. It happens. Uh, but, yeah, I'm very excited for Thursday. I mean, shoot, we have Penn State, Purdue, and then West Virginia, Pittsburgh the same day. So. Thursday is going to be a must-watch for sure. Yeah, I mean, and to answer those questions, you know, with that Penn State quarterback room, you know, you've got Sean Clifford there. You've got the experience there. And then announced today, you know, Drew Aller is that true freshman. Uh, they didn't redshirt him this year. He's going to be the backup quarterback, number two, quarterback so number two. They might be already saying, Sean Clifford, I know you got all the experience, but you're going to be on a short leash. Yeah, and that might be the case. I mean, we we've seen James Franklin kind of relax a little bit and, and gotten too relaxed at times uh, with Sean Clifford, and I think that the pressure needs to be on Sean Clifford this year to produce in order to to turn out a big season. And I mean, I know that on Sean Clifford's mind, it's uh, nothing. I mean, he wants nothing more than to win a Big Ten championship the year this year, and and that's definitely the goal every season for them. And, and I think this is, this is the year that uh, that's possible. So I, I, um, I know there's depth there in that room. So, and I hope that uh, Clifford does impart some of his knowledge onto that younger, that younger group of guys below him, as far as the running backs go, uh, what people don't understand. Yes. You lost Noah Kane uh, to LSU, but at the same time, right behind him, you have Nick Singleton, uh, who really was the number one running back recruit in the country uh, and was unbelievable. And everybody said, everybody said well, who is this kid? And everybody said, man, this kid's going to go to Alabama or he's, he's going he's gonna to go to Clemson or, or Georgia and ultimately picked Penn State and kind of caught everybody off guard with that pick. Uh, and I, I think he's a perfect fit there, and I think that's what they need. Uh, it kind of goes back to that Saquon Barkley shifty fast. I mean, 
that guy is fast. I didn't realize how fast Nick Singleton was until I watched tape, and that boy can flat out run. So, I mean, it's going to be interesting to see uh, this year what they use. I miss the RPOs with McSorley and, and Barkley mm-hmm. in the backfield, and we might see I that revisited. in general. Yeah. And I mean, we honestly, might- that was like my favorite team to watch that year. Yeah, and I, and I missed that. But at the same time, we might see that this year return because of, I mean, we've seen Sean Clifford can run. Uh, popular <laughs> contrary belief, yeah, he guess he can run. Uh, it uh, it's going to be interesting to see if they if they revisit that again this year. Now moving on to our next Power Five, uh, we're going out west to the Pac-12. Uh, I'm kind of excited for these games uh at the same time i'm not excited because i know what the outcome might be uh but uh it's good that the pac-12 is getting big games and our first big game is number 11 oregon uh playing a neutral site game against number three georgia in your defending national champions um first thing is is that i'll mention is that this is yes this is a neutral site game in atlanta georgia uh, it is only, yeah, neutral site, neutral. and it's only a, a few miles down the road from from Athens, Georgia. So, uh, this is a home game for Georgia, folks. This is basically at Georgia. Um, <laughs> I almost put at Georgia, honestly, because it pretty really, much is. It, it really could be. Uh, my thing to watch, I guess, here is if Oregon staff trusts Bo Nix at quarterback this year. Because uh, we haven't heard anything on who the starter is going to be in in Oregon, I don't think it's anybody other than Bo Nix. Uh, it's going to be strange though to go back and and face a a big SEC opponent, uh, arguably the scariest Big Ten opponent. Uh, but at the same time, I mean there is optimism there from from Oregon because Georgia did lose. Uh, four of their frontline guys on defense uh, to the NFL. So, I mean, it's – I don't want to say – because it's not a rebuild. Um, it's really filling the shoes. And I think they have enough guys, and I think there's guys that are secondaries on uh, Georgia's program that could be starters in Oregon's program. I mean, that, that's really what it comes down to. So, it'll be – uh, a fresh new look on defense for Georgia, but I don't think they'll miss a beat, and I expect them to uh, take this game uh, very easily. Yeah, it's never a rebuilding year, Georgia. Kirby Smart was under Nick Saban for as long as he can, and Nick Saban does the same thing. They don't rebuild, they reload, and that's what Georgia did this year. I think the offense, yeah, you lost George Pickens, and then you lost James Cook and Zamir White. But, I mean, the recruiting class that Georgia had this year, and then Stetson Bennett, I think he could be a dark horse uh, for SEC Player of the Year, maybe even an invitation uh, to New York. Obviously, like you just hinted on, they lose to Kobe Dean. They lost so many players. Like, they had so many number one. They had a number one overall draft pick in Trayvon Walker, Kobe Dean, Jordan Davis. I mean, this was the best, potentially the best defensive unit that we've ever seen in college football history. I mean, they're absolutely dominant the whole season, except uh, for the SEC championship game against Alabama, but they did break the curse. Um, I don't really expect this one to be close, to be honest with you. And I think that Oregon is perfectly okay with that because the, the same narrative happened to them against Ohio State. 
absolutely no one gave him a shot. We both picked Ohio State last year. I remember it. We'll take our word for that. But who knows? I mean, Bo Nix has faced the Georgia team. It hasn't gone pretty for Bo Nix against this Georgia team in the last couple of years. But you never know with Oregon. I mean, they do have a new coaching staff, so that's also why I don't see this being pretty. And like you mentioned, it's in Atlanta. It's going to be 100% Georgia fans. So the dogs are going to be hollering, and I bet Stetson Bennett is going to be throwing that rock because Oregon's defense did also lose a key piece in Kayvon Thibodeau. So, yeah, I just don't really see this one being close. Yeah, absolutely. And then going to the second Pac-12 game, the team that we are riding that ship on, and that is the Utah Utes uh, heading to Florida to play against the Florida Gators in Gainesville in the swamp, uh, so to speak. But, yeah, I, it uh, this game I think is a, is the to watch of the weekend possibly, might be. Uh, number one, playoff, because yeah. it's this – yeah, I think I think this is if if uh, Utah wants to be considered a playoff team, they have to win against SEC opponents, and I think mm-hmm. this is their chance to do it. Uh, I know you and I both picked them last year in the Rose Bowl and said, "Man, this team looks solid," and they look like the ones that can win that game, and they ended up losing to Ohio State. But I mean, I think this is a good year. I mean, they're starting seven. Um, I thought that was kind of interesting that they've started seven. It's kind of low. I thought I thought they would either be five or six, but uh, it, it's it's at seven. I mean, I, I think if they win this game, I think it catapults them up just a little bit because you do have a two and five squaring off. So there is going to be an open spot to move up yeah. uh, either way. If somebody's going to lose that mm-hmm. game, so uh, there will be an open spot uh, if they beat Florida. I mean, that that I think that they potentially could mop the floor with Florida if they get off to a quick start. Uh, I just don't know what Florida has this year. And I don't think anybody really knows what Florida has uh, this year. And and who knows if they could even be a top three team there in that division. Yeah. I definitely think that Florida has a quarterback to contend with Utah in this. They have Anthony Richardson uh, versus Cameron Rising. I would still have to go with Cameron Rising. That dude was just a beast all year. Florida's defense, I think. It's just been concerning uh, for the last couple of years as well. It hasn't been the Florida defense that we have seen, you know, of Chauncey Gardner-Johnson Light, you know, during the Urban Meyer days uh, back in the day and then the Steve Spurrier days when that defense was through the roof. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, this is a tough tough road test. I mean, the Swamp, they, they get loud down there. They get loud and rowdy. So, Utah, I don't know if they really seen an environment like this. I mean, they have a crazy environment back home, but I, I don't even think like, uh, yeah, they experienced the Rose Bowl out, but that was mostly Utah fans. So I think this is more like we mentioned, more of a must win for Utah, because if Utah loses this game, then, you know, we could be looking down the road. This could be a bad loss at the end of the season for Florida because Florida's got a gauntlet of a schedule in the SEC. You know, they have to face Georgia. They have to face LSU. They have to face Texas A&M. So this could be a team at the end of the year, Six and six, seven and five, we're looking at, and then Utah, you know, is trying in the playoff race, and they get jumped, you know, by an undefeated team because they lost to an eventual six and six team. So, I feel like if you're a Utah fan, if you lose this game, then honestly, I hate to say it, your playoff hopes are might already be dashed unless you know everyone's eleven and one on the same page as you. 
Right. Yeah. And and even then, I mean, this is this would be a bad loss if Florida is not a a contender yeah. in the SEC this year, uh, which I don't expect them to be. So yes, the pressure I think is fully on Utah. Yeah. I think the weight is on their shoulders. Uh, but moving on from the Pac-12, we'll go to the last Power Five, and that is the Big Power Five, and that is the SEC. Uh, first game and first tilt, I think, is the best one of the weekend, and that is number 23, Cincinnati, going to Fayetteville to face off against number 19, Arkansas. Uh, huge game here. Uh, losing the quarterback in Desmond Ritter for Cincinnati, you lose a lot of offensive pieces that were key in order for them to keep up in the in the college football playoff there. Uh, and the team on the rise, I think, is the the biggest team on the rise in the sec and that is is arkansas uh great for them to start the season at number 19 after winning the outback bowl last year against penn state so uh i think they start off with a bang this season and their their guy that could be in that room for for the heisman trophy uh towards the end of the year in kj jefferson so i i expect uh i expect arkansas to get this game uh, taken care of, and I think the line's at six and a half, and I expect mm-hmm. them to fully cover that and then some. Yeah, I, I don't really see this one being close either. Arkansas, if you just look on throughout their whole entire depth chart, they just, just a more veteran presence than Cincinnati. I wish that this game would have been last year. This was could have been possibly the game of the year in college football, but it's got to keep moving on. Cincinnati uh, will have to replace their offense coordinator, so they'll have a new play caller at the front with Mike Dembrock heading to Baton Rouge. And then, like you mentioned, they lose a lot of key guys, not only on the offense, but on the defense. One of the best cornerbacks that they had come to the program, Sauce Gardner. Arkansas, I think that a lot of people are talking about Texas A&M, especially that they're a top-10 team. But the team that I'm really looking at to make a move at that number two spot, maybe even potentially, you know, pull off an upset against an Alabama, could be this Arkansas team. So I think I think that this could be, you know, the stepping stone before they get into SEC play. You know, kind of how like last year when they beat Texas, this could be the game that catapults them to, you know, an undefeated uh, start to their season. Yeah, absolutely. And then uh, another game here in the SEC, a smaller game in the SEC, but it's Memphis heading to Starkville to play against Mississippi State to open the year. Uh, I think a good matchup from the American side and, and, and the SEC here. Um, kind of our first real uh, look at Memphis since the exit of Paxton Lynch and, and all that. And then, uh, you know, Mississippi State really, are they going to be a contender uh, midway through the season in the SEC? And there's a lot of question marks surrounding that and around the coaching staff there in Starkville. Uh, Ultimately, I think Memphis is probably my team to get it done here. I think they're that air raid offense, and I don't know if I trust Mississippi State's defense this year. Uh, I used to trust them in the past because they were good, uh, but it's been a number of years since that's happened, and I think Memphis, I think, is the better team and the more athletic team at the end of the day here. I do expect it to be close, probably a field goal or a touchdown game, uh, but but I've got the Memphis Tigers uh, taking this one in week one shaking things up in week one i definitely like that uh i just tagged mississippi state as one of my dark horse picks in the sec along with the likes of a tennessee and kentucky i just think like arkansas they bring that veteran presence back on both sides of the ball you have one of the best quarterbacks in the country with will rogers and their great offense so uh i know that memphis had 
a lot of success, you know, against on especially on defense against Mississippi State. So they definitely had the game plan to stop it. And I, but the revenge factor is going to be too much for me in this one. Mississippi State felt like they got robbed last year off of that insane punt return uh, back that Memphis did. None of the Mississippi State players thought that that was a live ball, but that's just college football sometimes. So with it being at home and in Starkville, I just think that revenge factor is going to be too much for this one. But it is going to be a close game. I don't really expect this one to be like – if it gets to double digits, I think this would be like a Mississippi State win by 10. Uh, but I think that Memphis with the offense that they have will keep this one close uh, throughout the way. Yeah, I, I wish there was a way I could bet on it. what pregame antics would come from before oh. this game because I have a feeling there's going to be a brawl before this game in some capacity. So Maybe in the stands, too, between some of the fans between Memphis and Mississippi State because it's not a far road trip down there to Starkville. We could see a headline where, like, three Mississippi State fans (laughs) beat Memphis Tiger fans up with cowbells, uh, you know, five minutes into the game. Yeah, (laughs) they might become weaponized at that point. But, yeah, it's it's definitely going to be – uh, a tough game there for both teams uh, and there's going to be a lot of emotion uh, from both teams there so it should be a good one now we are exiting the wormhole of uh, the power five and we're going into the smaller wormhole of the group of five and I love the group of five I, I really and uh, this game I feel like is the game of the week uh in the group of five, I think we have both come to an agreement in this one, and that is Liberty going on the road to Hattiesburg, Mississippi, just about an hour down the road from me to face off against the Southern Miss Golden Eagles. Uh, man, dude, Southern Miss is now added to the Sun Belt, like we had discussed, uh, and Liberty is the team that everybody said, hold on a minute. This team is leading the group of five, and that was because of – you know, you had a dominant quarterback there, and now he's gone in the NFL playing for the Titans. And uh, Southern Miss is returning most of their guys. Uh, in they get a fresh new look and a fresh new start. So uh, I know they'll want to start with a bang here, but I have more belief in Liberty and that coaching staff there. And and I think that their experience shows outside of the realm of quarterback. Uh, so I, I expect. Uh, uh, them to take this game. Yeah, I think this was definitely the right move for Southern Miss to jump ship from the Conference USA to the Sun Belt. Sun Belt has just become more a superior conference in the Conference USA. And geographical wise, it, it also made more sense to Southern Miss because you have close of like South Alabama, you have the Louisiana schools, you have the Rage of Cajuns out of Lafayette, you have ULM. It, it just made more sense. Yeah, I mean, for their like the baseball program, it'll be one of the top in the conference along with South Alabama. That'll probably be your top two teams along with Louisiana Lafayette and then Georgia Southern. Uh, but going back to the football field, yeah, this is going to be an exciting matchup. Uh, this is going to be Southern Miss' first official uh, football game as a Sun Belt school against Liberty. And Hugh Freeze gets uh, to go back to the state of Mississippi. I don't think that's probably a bad thing because I'm sure Ole Miss fans don't want <laughs> nothing to do with him back in their state. Uh, but I don't know. I, I pick Liberty to win this one, but my heart wants Southern Miss to win this one. I always root for the Southern Miss uh, in football. I want them to do good just because they're, you know, an hour away from where I grew up. And But Liberty just has, I, like I said on paper, just has way more talent than Southern Miss. But you never know. The Rock is 
I wouldn't say really hostile environment to be in. You could probably hear a pin drop in that stadium, uh, but you never know what can happen uh, on a Saturday afternoon there in Hattiesburg. But yeah, I would probably have to go w- with Liberty and Hugh Freeze. I just think that Southern Miss as a defense is not going to know what to do uh, with Liberty. So uh, I think it's going to be a close game, but in the end, I got to get a bit to Liberty. Yeah, I do agree with you. I think Southern Miss is, is going to grow in their attendance and grow in their fan base. I think a little more now that they're in the Sun Belt. Uh, I know I might be making the trip to Hattiesburg for that for that game uh, when they do face off against uh, South Alabama. So uh, I know there'll be a lot of, of family and friends attending that one. So I, I think uh, I think it'll be a good one. Yeah. Uh, but I, I I do hope and I do root for Southern Miss. Uh, maybe a little less now, now that they're in the Sun Belt. But yeah. <laughs> it's, I mean, they're uh, one it's, of your rivals now, so you can't – Yeah. You got to push so, them aside sometimes, especially <laughs> when South Alabama and Southern Miss play. I mean, the baseball I'm, – I'm excited for the baseball series too. I know it's a college football show, but even the like Southern Miss versus South Alabama football match, I think that would be very good. It's going to be good uh, for, you know, for the coastal region of Alabama, Mississippi, you know, to have Southern Miss and South Alabama. I feel like those are two fan bases that are – are close enough they pretty much respect each other but i don't know could we see you know this next rivalry in the Sun Belt between southern miss and south alabama it could be like the south rivalry yeah and what folks don't understand you know outside of the south is that when you look at it geographically uh southern miss a lot of the guys that are there are guys that really couldn't cut it to make a team like yeah Ole miss or mm. mississippi state that's really what it is, but they still made it to Division One football. And that's what the group of five is, and that's why the group of five I think is so great because it's guys that really just didn't get that opportunity and that chance to make it to the big power. They're going to play every day. They're, you're not going to see any so, opt-outs with no. the group of five. That's what I liked about it. And that's all. I, that's why I've been like pushing for Cincinnati to make it. Yeah, they were going to get blown out, but it's good for the sport to have a group of five finally push through. So. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah, we could we could possibly see one of those Sun Belt teams uh, make it to a New Year Six because I think the Group of Five race for the New Year Six race is as wide open as it has. Sure. Yeah, and and with South Alabama, you know, you really have the only other the two other schools really that are going to compete with them. You know, as far as recruiting goes, and they get most of the big recruits, and that's Alabama mm-hmm. and Auburn. Yeah. So guys that really couldn't cut it out there or I mean, went to Alabama. South, it's been, I think. Yeah, just going with what you said, I mean, South Alabama has got some really good recruits. I mean, Jalen Tolbert, he's going to be a star. Uh, they've had some pretty good tight ends. I can't remember the name of him. Do you remember the name? I don't remember. Off the I, don't, I don't know. He was a stud. He was one of the stud tight ends. If I can remember his name, I'll, I'll mention it. I'll probably have, I'll look it up after the show and be like, oh, yeah. I, I, but obviously I do root for South Alabama because my sister went there. Uh, so I do have family connections there. So this is a – we do definitely love uh, – I definitely watch uh, South Alabama when I can. So, yeah. Sure. It's definitely – Sunbelt is definitely a conference that you can watch and root for. This. We will reference the Sunbelt Funbelt a lot, I think, yes. uh, this season. Mm-hmm. But moving on from our big games and moving into uh, probably the most exciting thing on the show, and, and that's our, our lovely bets and picks of the week in, in our uh, – our potential uh, money-making games uh, on the schedule. And and there are three games there for us to pay attention to and look at. And it is a part of our three-leg parlay. And the first one uh, is that big game 
against that Power 5 and SEC opponent. And Arkansas is uh, the six-point favorite over Cincinnati. And we're going to pick Arkansas to cover those six points against Cincinnati and then some, I think. Yeah, Uh, I think 20 points. Yeah, I I was going to say, like, it it could go to 26. (laughs) I I would be more reasonable at that. Something tells me this is going to be like a 35-14 game. It it just feels like – this it just feels like it's giving me like last year's vibes of Arkansas and Texas. Like Cincinnati, you know, was a top twenty-five team. Texas was a top twenty-five team, and then Arkansas. I think they beat them like forty to twenty, something like that. They just absolutely blew the doors off of them. I just think that Arkansas is just an overmatch. Uh, if it was last year, maybe we could bet with Cincinnati, but since it's in Fayetteville, can't ever bet, bet against those Hawks. Absolutely. And uh, the second game on there is that Colorado and TCU game. Uh, we are uh, taking Colorado at that uh, that thirteen and a half uh, to cover there. So, uh, well, it's more of TCU not being able to cover there uh, on the thirteen and a half uh, on the road at uh, Colorado. So, I, I expect uh, it to be a close game. I know we did reference it would be a very close game, and I expect it to be a field goal game uh, at the end of the day just because of the two teams are so close together and they just they look the same. They're just wearing yeah. different uniforms. Yeah, uh, it's one b pretty much. It really is. It really is. Uh, and I look forward to seeing what both teams can bring because they're definitely not the best teams in, in the conference, uh, but they're middle-of-the-road teams or bottom-of-the-pack bottom, bottom of the pack teams that – is a good matchup and a great matchup to start the season. So kudos to both of those programs right there. Uh, and then the last one there is that big tilt between uh, the SEC powerhouse in Georgia, basically playing at home uh, against uh, the Pac-12 uh, phenom, I guess. I don't know if I want to, I don't know if I want to call it in the past in probably the best facilities in the country uh, with Oregon uh, but I, I expect Georgia to cover the 17 and a half. I think 17 and a half is a joke in this game, to be honest with you. I think it should be more like 30 in this game because <laughs> I, I expect Georgia to absolutely roast. I mean, Oregon's I'll be rooting for them to be by 30 so we can make some money. Uh, but yeah, like you mentioned, I, I definitely feel confident with this pick just because it's in Atlanta. This is going to be a tough road trip uh, for Oregon. Oregon usually doesn't do well against SEC teams. I'm going to go to mention LSU again. I was like, LSU and Oregon faced off in the same scenario in Dallas, and LSU blew the doors off of them. So I just think that Georgia just has – I know that they lost a lot on both sides, but I think that they're still a better football team than Oregon, even with all those losses. Uh, that's just bizarre to say, but it's just the reality. So I I would be shocked if if Oregon even comes close to this spread. Absolutely. And those are our three games for our parlay. Uh, for the week, let's hope that we can make some money and, and, and start off the year on a good note. Guys, we'll be doing this every week throughout the season. We'll be picking our three our three leg parlay for you guys and kind of giving you an insight to what we're thinking is going to go on throughout the weekend and the teams we have the utmost confidence in and the ones that uh, we I have. Like little... This is like the easiest week of yes. all like the, the 14 weeks that we have because it's only going to get worse when we – have like Alabama and Texas A&M facing off and we see like, oh, A&M is like only like a 10-point favorite. Let's bet on them. So hopefully uh, we can get off to a good start here in week one. 
Yeah, I didn't want you to go to that dark place so early on in the season. Well, so, uh, we've had a lot of dark places in our betting. Yes, yes. March Madness. It's a fresh new start for us. Yeah, it's a new season. Let's get it rolling. Yes. And the last thing that we'll discuss for the show uh, this week is our news and headlines uh, surrounding college football. Uh, and we're going to get you guys a couple of stories throughout uh, the year in, in what's developing and a lot's been going on already. And we yeah. really haven't started the season at all. And, and really the first one being uh, Brian Kelly has picked his LSU starter at quarterback, but he's not telling anybody it is hush hush in Baton Rouge right now. And uh, I think it's cool. I think it's, it's interesting. Uh, it's a strategy and it's neat. And uh, Brian Kelly's a real traditional guy. So I, I, I don't expect anything else from him. So uh, it definitely, I think we both have an idea of who the the initial thought of being the starter is uh, and who it probably will be. Uh, it's just neat that Kelly's kind of throwing that little twist in. Yeah, I, I definitely think it's the right move. I mean, Florida State already has a game under there. So I think the advantage is more to LSU. They have tape this season against uh, – Against Florida State, yeah, Brian Kelly faced off against them uh, in Notre Dame uh, last year. They uh, Florida State took Notre Dame to overtime, uh, but this is a different offense. LSU is a different offense uh, than uh, Notre Dame. Uh, it's just in my belief uh, that Jane Daniels is going to be the guy. Like, why bring him in if you're not going to start him? That's just my – I think Garrett Nussmeyer, don't get me wrong, he has definitely uh, shown some strides in, in the spring and in fall camp, uh, but – I just think that Jane Daniels is pretty much a carbon copy of what Mike Denbrock was running at Cincinnati last year in the past couple of years whenever he was with the Bearcats uh, with Desmond Ritter. Uh, so I think that Denbrock, this is his offense. I think this is going to be his guy. So LSU fans and college football fans watching this game probably won't find out till LSU steps on the field uh, for their first drive. And I expect to be Jane Daniels. I mean, it's Garrett Nussmeyer. I would probably be like, okay, well. I guess, you know, LSU fans, you're just kind of like, well, we're just going to have to accept it, distrust with Brian Kelly. But, yeah, uh, the past head coaches, like get it over to Ron and uh, Les Miles didn't really do this. So it's good to see uh, that LSU's changing it up uh, in week one. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, jumping back over to the Big Ten and the biggest story uh, outside of our last one, but this one being Scott Frost's future in Nebraska uh, really is a toss-up. I mean, we're one game into the season. And we're already discussing whether Scott Frost is the end-all, be-all in Nebraska. And the answer, I think, is no, uh, personally. But, yes, I had mentioned early on in the show that he is on a potential buyout for, you know, the 1st of October. He can be bought out at the at the $8 million price tag. Uh, so I, I don't want that to happen, but it's also – you got to look at Nebraska football and who they are and their history. And it just seems that they're just not there anymore. And they need somebody to come in there and turn it around. And if Scott Frost was the, was the guy to get it going, I don't know if he was their long-term, you know, big change that they wanted there. And, and I don't see him. If Nebraska, my prediction is if Nebraska doesn't go 500 or better, I think Scott Frost is done this year. And so, and I expect somebody else within that staff to take over uh, at the start of next season. 
Yeah, it's crazy that we're already talking about uh, Scott Frost being on the hot seat after after week zero, but that's it's just a reality. I mean, this was a Nebraska team last year that went three and nine, and people are like, "Oh, this is the best three and nine team that we have seen." But yeah, if they do have a lot of talent, Casey Thompson, a quarterback, he showed a lot of promise in game game one against Northwestern. He had two picks, uh, but he's still a young quarterback. He's only a sophomore. Uh, they do have, uh, I think, the defense is gonna they. They really struggled, I think, that it was very concerning watching Northwestern's offensive line just absolutely tear through that Nebraska defensive line. So when they get to the likes, you know, of a Wisconsin and Iowa who like to run the ball at you, I mean, that's going to be a problem. So I know you said that they had to go six and six, but honestly, with the talent that you have on this team, eight wins has to be the bar. So honestly, if Scott Frost doesn't get to that, I think he's out the door. I think they gave him pretty much a prove-it year this year, and if he doesn't lead up to expectations as much as, you know, he played, he's a former Nebraska Cornhusker, he's Nebraska through and through. Uh, but, yeah, I just don't think uh, – I don't see him being in Lincoln if they don't go 8-4 better this year. And it's, it's definitely going to be more challenging starting now 0-1 and, and then the schedule not getting easier because in two weeks you have a home game against Oklahoma. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, you're really looking at going eight and three the rest of the way in order to save your job, uh, and that could be very tough to do there mm-hmm. in, in Nebraska. And the last last headline here is Michigan and Jim Harbaugh's strategy at quarterback uh, to start the year. Kind of interesting, being that uh, I, I don't I don't understand if uh, it's more of being more like open to the quarterback room there in in Ann Arbor, but I think that the clear winner, I think at quarterback is Caden McNamara. I just yeah. I, I don't see anybody else uh, competing with him, and, and I don't expect that that to be any different. I know that you know their strat is is to have McNamara start game one uh, and reevaluate that. I mean, they, they just have a piss poor start to the season. <laughs> It's it's sad. Why not game three. I mean, they have UConn. Let's just do it again before yeah. we get into the Big Ten play. I mean, right, really? Yeah. So I, I I just I don't understand that. I mean, if you want to pick a quarterback, pick the guy who you think is the best and is going to carry you throughout the year. I get it. You've got some some mediocre to, to poor games to start the year. Okay, then start your backup for the start of the season and see what he can do. Mm-hmm. I mean, get him some experience there in games that that you know you don't anticipate you're going to be fighting for your life to win uh so i do expect to see the backup in some capacity in in this week's game uh just to see what he can do yeah i think it's just interesting to me to just say like hey we're going to start kate mcmara week one and then wait but wait we're going to give this guy jj mccarthy uh the start in week two i just think that for michigan to have the most success uh, going forward this season is to go with the trusted guy that got you to the playoff uh, last year, and that's Cade McNamara. He's got a veteran experience. I know that J.J. McCarthy is definitely the more talented quarterback out of the two, but I, did, I need to talk to some Michigan fans to see, like, what they think about Jim Harbaugh's strategy because, I mean, we'll see if it works out. I mean, like you said, the schedule sets up nicely uh, for them. I mean, that's no complaints. I mean, I'm not complaining about Michigan's schedule. It's just, it is what it is. I mean, they have, they start off with Colorado state, they play Hawaii, which they just got boat raced by Vanderbilt. So who knows how many points Michigan's going to put up. 
And they finished their uh, non-conference slate with UConn. So that would be easy three wins. So, I mean, they could start the water boy and they would probably still win those three games. Uh, but, uh, I mean, it's it's definitely smart to figure out the kinks. Uh, but why couldn't you figure this out in fall camp? Right, exactly. Yeah, you had all that time to figure it out. And here we are. Yeah. Start of the season. It's Michigan's good old-fashioned wait till the last minute to figure something yeah. out. Uh, but uh, I do have we do have a comment before we end this, and it's from our host from the Sports Scramble, Chet. He says, "Who do y'all think is going to be LSU's quarterback?" He just missed us. Um, I'll go first. Uh, then I want to get your thoughts. Um, I definitely think that Jaden Daniels is going to be the starting quarterback. I would be shocked if it's Garrett Nussmeyer. Like I just mentioned earlier, um, he did show some strides in spring game. He was the best spring game quarterback that I saw. Uh, especially with Miles Brennan uh, leaving the program and opened up the door for Garrett Nussmeyer to take over. But like I just said, I mean, if you bring in a guy, I mean, just go back to his freshman campaign. I know that Jaden Daniels has struggled in the 2020 season, but that's a year that you can pretty much throw away. It was COVID. I mean, pretty much everyone struggled that year, except for Alabama that year. They pretty much dominated everyone. But uh, yeah, last year he struggled. He threw like 10 years. 10 interceptions last season. So his accuracy is a problem. Uh, but I think I can probably deal with his mobility because he is elite. Because whenever he breaks through all the defenders, not many people are going to catch him. That's going to be a touchdown to the house. And I think that's what LSU's offense has been missing. To I mean, go from a guy like Max Johnson, who's out here week one throwing behind his back. You can take him, Texas A&M, have fun with that. But that's another story. Uh that we can get to, but I just want to get your thoughts. Who do you think is going to be LSU's quarterback against Florida State and going forward? Um, I mean, I I like Nussmeyer at quarterback, but I don't know if that's the fit long term for LSU. I feel like uh, Daniels is is the best fit in Brian Kelly's offense, yeah. and we'll get to see that. I mean, we really mm-hmm. will find out who is the best fit there. And I feel like he's the most mobile and best fit quarterback in order to uh, lead them to a strong season in the SEC. Not saying that Nussmeyer has a brighter future. Who knows what could happen? Uh, Mm -hmm. But in the here and now, I think it's, I think it's Daniels. Could we be shocked if, you know, LSU, you know, names their quarterback, but they still run, you know, two quarterbacks out there because we could see, you know, like, Jane Daniels, you know, come out when it's a red zone, trying, you know, mix it up with like a read option or something like that. And like Nussmeyer probably has, he's definitely the better throwing quarterback, I would say. I mean, Jane Daniels, if you watch him, he can launch the ball deep. It's just if Kenny, you know, put it in his receiver's hands. Nussmeyer can do that. He was a freshman last year. I mean, last year was last year for LSU. This is going to be a new season, but. Even if they do name a, a starting quarterback for LSU, I, I would not be shocked, you know, if we still see a lot of Nussmeyer and then a lot of Daniels. It could be like a, a 75, 25% type of deal. Sure, yeah. And, you know, we had talked about Noah Kane a little bit in the backfield there, and he's a big pass-blocking running back. Yeah. So it's huge for them there mm-hmm. uh, to give time in the pocket and give your receivers time. Because, I mean, your receivers at LSU are the elite of the elite in college football, you know, as far as receivers go. So I, I think that it gives them the best opportunity there for both quarterbacks to prove themselves. Cause you can't tell me that, well, this guy's slower. He doesn't have enough time in the pocket. Well, you've got a good guy at running back that is great at blocking that can give you enough time in the pocket. 
but uh thank you chip for for your yep. question man we appreciate it well definitely we'll definitely yeah. uh show in comments as we as we get in this popped up like a couple of minutes ago so if you have questions i uh, will we'll pop it up at the end of the show and then we'll we'll do a little segment of answering everyone's questions definitely want to get our viewers involved and answer any questions they need absolutely guys and uh as far as uh this episode goes and going forward uh, we're really going to be recording on Mondays. If you guys want to tune into our Facebook live video and, and you can see that on Facebook, on Twitter. Uh, and you can also listen to our audio on any podcast that you get, you know, anywhere you get your podcasts on, on Apple podcasts, Spotify, you name it. So uh, you guys can check us out there and uh, you guys can also check out our sports scramble show that that is uh, on Sunday nights that we do. Uh, so we uh, partner with our other guys there and we bring you everything for as far as sports go, but this is our, our main uh, football show and in our college football show uh, to be exact. So uh, if you guys do have any other questions or anything, make sure you uh, let us know and, and we will address those at the start of next show and uh, get to your guys' questions as best and answer them as best as possible uh, in this early season and exciting season. Uh, but as far as that goes, I hope everybody enjoys their weekend, enjoys some college football, go hang out with some family and uh, grill, have a beer, uh, hang out and uh, have a good one. And we will see you guys for week two and week one recap next week. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess. Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Team Ready. Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is, so they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready.